Okay, we will win, Baba. Coming at you from North Wales. This is Omali Motamai, and I am here with my partners, Charlie, all the way from Phnom Penh, Cambodia, and with my husband, Hosni. Shout out to all the mandem and galdem out there, wishing mm-hmm. you happiness and coolness. <laughs> yes, indeed, and this is our Pan African podcast. Um, so today we are talking about why there is such a lack of coverage on Africa and African issues. So we are currently recording this in October 2020. If you haven't been watching the news, I don't know where you've been. Um, this comes to this is really brought up because of the NSARS campaign very specifically because of how much traction that has gained more recently in the Western media. But one of the things that we'll be going into is how many campaigns all centering around the same kind of topic, uh, topics and concepts that are currently on the African continent and why there's a lack of coverage, why nobody knows about them. Uh, uh, just like NSARS, just like the Black Lives Matter movement, this is not something that happened last week just because you may have found out about it last week. Uh, a lot of these campaigns and um, particularly the actions of the aggressors behind these campaigns have been happening for decades. So, yeah, we're going to dig into some of this and we're also going to shed some light on some of these uh, some of these uh, campaigns. So uh, let me fling it over to Cambodia. Uh, let's start with NSARS, Nigeria. How, uh, what do you think has uh, blown that one up so much? And how is, it, how is it like a template, basically, for some of the other campaigns? And uh, uh, yes, just some of what's happening on the continent at the moment. Um, I think this one has blown up due to the vast number of Nigerians Um, We obviously know how heavily populated Nigeria is and the Nigerian diaspora as well across the world. So I think um, technology has played a major part in getting the word out um, to to all these other countries so that we become aware of what's happening in Nigeria. Um, I know obviously like media outlets have been censoring a lot of, um, of the information um, so it's important that we use platforms like Instagram and Twitter um, to kind of get all that information out. I think with the Lecky massacre that happened as well, because that was kind of live streamed on Instagram live, um, it made people aware of what's happening there. Um, and without that, we wouldn't be aware of what's happening because the government have also been censoring that and have actually been denying that the army have actually um done all of this and have killed people they've even lied about the numbers of deaths um yeah no like i think definitely i think the the sheer number of nigerians who have a a really high platform like for example obviously afrobeats is heavily dominated by lots of nigerian as well as ghanaian artists so obviously nigerians being like the biggest ones you've got davido tiwa savage zlatan you've got so many people and also on top of that as well you have a lot of footballers that, are, that who are Nigerian who play for big clubs around the world, such as uh, Adi Nagalo for Manchester United. You've got uh, Victor Osman for Napoli in Italy. So, and they've all been very, very vocal in regards to what's happening. So I think that's definitely shed a lot of light on it. And that's how a lot of more people have picked up on the NSARS thing. 
because um, even Arsenal guy, the Turkish guy, uh, Ozil has come out and did a little tweet about NSARS as well. So it's actually become like a, it's rolled on effect has been quite big. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so big. Um, and social media definitely has helped it. Um, obviously, we're glad that obviously SARS has supposedly been ended, but we, we still know that it's not going to be fully, fully ended. It'll just morph into something else, right? Yeah, because I think now it's like, and SWAT that they they they're saying that the SARS is going to turn into to like SWAT, um, so it's just going to turn into something else. But I think as well another reason why um, we don't tend to so obviously we we're, we're hearing about it now, but the reason why we haven't really heard about it is because the issues that happen on the continent are just nothing that people really care about. Um, the media, like I said, the government um, tend to kind of downplay what happens, um, change it. We know obviously like a lot of leaders are corrupt. A lot of governments in, on the African continent are corrupt um, and they always like to change the story and the narrative of things that are happening there. Um, and it's kind of to, to, it's to benefit them and the, the, the ruling class really as well. Um, so it's great to see that the NSARS campaign is finally getting some of the recognition it deserves, but it's still nowhere near um, as big as, as some of the other campaigns that we've seen earlier this year, like the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which was just all over um, social media. And also companies were even getting involved, larger corporations were not seeing the same type of effect with um, the NSARS campaign and with all the other campaigns that are happening on the African continent as well, which is such a shame um, because there's still black lives and black lives matter everywhere, not just in the US, you know, so we're, we're going to back our brothers and sisters in the US, of course, whatever happens to them, we feel it too. Um, but we need to make sure we keep that same energy for our African brothers and sisters as well. I am absolutely with that. I think Charlie, well, both of you have brought up a bag of points which are massive issues. I think for me, I can definitely start with the government themselves uh, because the government tend to be in com uh, tend to be complicit with the ru ruling elite of any country, uh, country specifically and the continent and particularly their Western backers. I think uh, one of the things Africa really hasn't uh, got past even after independent the independence movements that we've seen is that a lot of our leadership are essentially figureheads uh, for the West in a lot of ways. That's the reason why there's still so much mineral extraction yeah. specifically. And that's why the whole continent still really relies on two main uh, the economy the economies of the entire continent still really pivot around two um, industries, I think is the thing. And that is number one, ex extraction and export of raw materials, minerals, usually. Um, we can go through, we could go through a um, catalog of them, South Africa, particularly, we saw the Marikana massacre a few years ago, and that was because of gold extraction, coltan up in Congo and in uh, Belgium, I believe. Uh, Belgium, I, I always think the Belgian Congo is why I always think of Belgium, but yeah, in Congo, 
is is one of the reasons that keeps that area that uh, the those borders have been unstable for decades now and a lot of those disputes go back to who wants to own the mines and who wants to actually be able to export these minerals so we know that basically the government is is always complicit with the ruling elite because somebody on the continent is getting a piece of that but at the end of the day when once it's exported that's when it it, it is really actually worth something as as you would say uh, I think the main part with what you have said actually is the media censoring. I think it's really, it's really worrying that with if if people really didn't have their mobile phones and weren't streaming this stuff live on IG, we may have no idea what happened because the government do not report on these atrocities, and I've, I, that's one of the most worrying outcomes for me is is seeing this is actually noticing that there's a very distinct difference between live media coverage by the mainstream media and live media coverage if or just media coverage in general when you look at activists and people who are actually participating in these um, protests and demonstrations so uh, like this this kind of, this really goes back to anti-totalitarianism and fascism to be honest like when when we're looking at the the elements and the uh, the parts that these governments decide to use basically um i think yeah uh, as as diaspora like we we are all all three of us are diaspora and we've all got our own stories and um it's always been more difficult to kind of keep in touch with what's going on at home because you can't trust the mainstream media so you kind of have to you have to pick and choose where you where you take your reports in from basically and yeah that's been proved more and more often by 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 like what's actually occurring now so i think it's very difficult for for people to say that they don't really believe the reports when we can see time and time again like especially in today's world that uh, the the government and the mainstream media won't report on on these um, things celebrity support i think is what uh, the last thing that i'll touch on uh, i think it's really good that the nigerian diaspora who have positions who have platforms have been so vocal uh, i i i was just randomly like you know what you know when you're just scrolling through it doesn't matter which platform i've honestly not been on um on ig much this week but my youtube has been popping up with uh, suggestions where you see like burner boy and i forgot who that footballer is but i saw a clip of him um i like i don't know his name but i just i just saw what he was saying and <laughs> i could hear my man's accent so i knew his nige uh nige yeah. boy yeah 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 <laughs> So like I heard him and it's just very good that there's such vocal con- condemnation from these celebrities who are actually using their platforms, even though they're, you know, unrelated to politics. Um, so I don't want to hear like I don't want to hear anybody coming against them being like, oh, stick to football or stick to rap, stick to making music, because that's nonsense. At the end of the day, these people were black before they were stars. Like, so I'm just going to talk to your mom. Um Uh, the last one uh, well I just think uh, on that point is that we should protect our champions Um, there is like we don't want a Kaepernick happening basically to to any of these stars at all we can't let the the corporate interests 
look after their own interests and, and use these people as an example to try and silence anybody else who will dare to speak out, basically. Um, I think that the support should uh, continue going out to them. Marcus Rashford's been one of the... Oh, no, that's something... That, scrub that out the edit. Scrub, scrub that, scrub that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the Tories are starring, starving poor children out here. I only just... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. We can scratch that. Yeah, I think like um, in terms of the celebrity endorsement, I think it's great to see a lot of African celebrities um, using their voices, which I think they tend to do a lot of the times. They do, I always see them um, tweeting about Black Lives Matter and um, anything that kind of happens on the continent, you tend to see them endorsing. Um, Burner Boy is quite a, a good one who always um, like has, says stuff about the continent. Um, but when it comes to African-American um, celebrities who tend to have a slightly bigger platform, um, a more wider reach um, because they also have white followers, yeah. um, they, a lot of them have been silent. We've had... Uh, so, far? so the only one that I know of who said something is Beyonce, but, oh, Kanye, who cares about him? (laughs) We don't claim Kanye. He don't count. (laughs) But but Beyonce has, and I know that Tiwa Savage was the one who kind of um, pushed Beyonce to say something, but even Beyonce's statement was a bit weak. She was sitting there saying she's going to... Who wrote that? She's, yeah, I don't know who. Some PR person wrote that and was just like, yes, we're working behind the scenes with some um, program um, in Nigeria and getting food and shelter. <laughs> food and shelter. <laughs> um, which, <laughs> which then when you look at all the comments underneath that statement that she made, it was just hilarious. A lot of like um, Nigerians actually who are in Nigeria at the moment are like, we don't need food and shelter, we need government reform. (laughs) But I always feel like, um, not celebrities, but people outside of Africa always think that what Africa needs is food and shelter. We we don't need food and shelter. (laughs) Which we're probably going to get into episode, the next episode after this. Yes. A bit more. But yeah, no, it was, it was the most, I feel like one of like her her assistants wrote that and she watched like one of these red like red cross kind of adverts and yeah it was hilarious like you had these young entrepreneurs who like one of them was like a media guy he does like all this like behind the scenes data stuff and like you know a lot of nigerians are you know very uh, literate people a population but you know they can hustle the entrepreneurs they do a lot we know that you know we all know nigerians so this brother's like listen i work you know i have my own company you know i'm doing my thing I do not need food. I just want you to get this message and put it on a bigger platform so we can have bigger conversations yeah. and basically make these like comfortable old orgas who are just getting their money feel really uncomfortable so they can leave, you know, with their three to five Bentleys. There's this one guy, I don't know whether he's a, I think he's a politician or a pastor, one of them, he's a, he might be both. And this guy, all he does is he literally shows off like Gucci boots, bikes lamborghinis everything and everyone's like look at this guy look at this guy he's a senator and he's doing this nonsense bro and that's the big issue that we have at the moment Mm -hmm. it's like the elite the haves um are always basically taking control and this goes back to um, an article i read it was regarding one of these um mau mau um soldiers back in the day who was very strong guy in kenya when 
the British were, you know, trying to get Kenya and, you know, the Mau Mau's were pushing them away. And one of them was actually also trying to eradicate these wealthy Kenyans at the top who were basically catering to the British. And one of them was actually apparently some of them were the Kenyatta family who are currently the, 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 the heads of Kenya now. So there was Joma Kenyatta, who is the so-called founder of Kenya. And uh, well, he, I'm sure he is the founder, but you know what I mean? Uh, and then his son now, Uhuru Kenyatta. So these guys grew up, let's be honest, with a silver spoon in their mouth, basically. And he was trying to get rid of these guys, you know, who are the elite guys who m- managed to take their kids to universities in the West. You know, the book that we're reading in the United Kingdom, a lot of them were in, in London back in the day, you know, learning and stuff. So you could say that the the white man and the the, the imperial mandem taught them this way of managing the people. Yeah. You know, it's like, take everything you need. These, you're the master, they're the field mandem, and then that's it. But now people are starting to open their eyes. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, all of these things that are happening across Africa. So we've got NSARS, which is about um, police brutality. Um, we also have police brutality across across Africa. Like it's not just in Nigeria that it happens; it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Um, uh, should I read out all, the Should I read out the campaigns we've got? Yeah, you go go for it. I was just gonna... uh, so uh, <laughs> Congo is bleeding, which is Congo. Shut it all down, Namibia. Am I next in South Africa? The anglophone uh, anglophone crisis in Cameroon rape national emergency in liberia we've got child trafficking in ivory coast and ghana um can you fill us in on guinea zimbabwe and ethiopia yeah we have um the election rigging basically that's happening in guinea um the current president is trying to run for a third term so there's been protests about that we have the silencing of voices um in zimbabwe Um, we know how corrupt the government is in Zimbabwe and a lot of the voices are being um, silenced. There's police brutality that's happening over there as well. So there's the hashtag uh, Zimbabwean Lives Matter. And then we also have um, a genocide that's happening right now in Ethiopia um, against the Oromo people. Um, Yeah. So there's a lot that's happening on the, on the continent with, with regards to some of the ones that, um, Omolimo mentioned, we've got um, Am I Next in South Africa, and we also have the um, Shut It All Down in Namibia, which are all gender-based violence-related uh, hashtags. And um, the Congo is bleeding is to do with um, with slavery that's happening right now in Congo as well. The Anglo- Anglophone crisis is to do with um, the... Uh, English-speaking minority people in the north of Cameroon are getting killed, basically. Um, yeah, so I don't really know. What, do you know why? Um, I think they are. They basically want to form their own sort of small country because I think they get marginalised so much because the rest of Cameroon speak French. So they're, they're like saying, well, we want this land. We, we just want you guys to leave us alone. But obviously, whenever it comes to making your own country, it, you know, puts a lot of people on edge, right? So these guys are like, well, if we just kind of kill them off, probably, then we won't really have that issue, right? That we can just move on to those lands. Um, I'm not sure if that side is actually closer to Nigeria. I'm not sure. We have to double check. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the strip. Yeah, it is that strip between... That's the... Like Peninsula or something. 
I, don't I think know so. Yeah, it could be the Bekasi Peninsula. We can we could yeah. have a look at the map. But all all I remember yeah. seeing is that the the bit that's closest that borders Nigeria is is the yeah. English English speaking side because yeah. it was um, at one point annexed. We'll get into the history. Tell tell us some more. Yeah. yeah. So it's mainly to, to to in a nutshell that's what's going on. Yeah. So when we look at what all these different campaigns that are happening in in Africa right now we can see that it's all steeped in colonialism and imperialism. Um, these are all remnants of what's, hap- of what's happened in the past and it's, it's still going on now. Um, the ruling class, the elite class, are kind of wanting to keep up with those types of systems to kind of, so that they can live a better life in a way. Um, and it's still that mentality that um, elitism is the way forward. Um, they want to keep these systems in place so that they can continue to rule. Yeah. Um, that's why you've got like the president in Guinea running for a third term, for example, he wants to do that. He's probably changed the constitution to, oh, so, yeah. to allow him to, to like, run for another term. It's, it's ridiculous. Like in, in the West, for example, uh, obviously I'm not saying like their way is the best because democracy is a bag of shit, let's be honest, because it doesn't work for a lot of countries and cultures because people have traditions right but in the west like they would never allow anyone to change the constitution unless it was agreed upon by all the houses and there'd be like you know counter pushing there's an opposition that's recognized usually but in but in africa we do not have oppositions oppositions are always killed off for example zimbabwe there, there was a guy morgan shangarai was running against mugabe the guy escaped assassin assassination like four times he was hiding in the dutch embassy or something at one point he literally would not come out. Man was literally living in the front, like the front office part of the Dutch embassy there or something like that for, for ages, for about four months. So they, they basically crashed a car into him. His wife died. He got away. He tried to run against Mugabe about three times and then eventually gave up and then became like friends with Mugabe because I think he probably got paid off and thought, well, I don't think it's worth it. So every country where there is an opposition or party, they're, they're eradicated completely. Um, it's like Cambodia at the moment. There's a one party in charge and the guy's been here for like 40 years, his people, and they basically uh, got rid of uh, a party that was against them. Um, and now that party doesn't exist. And anyone who's found, found to create any parties that are opposition to them, they get like basically killed. They get basically put away in prison for dumb shit like treason and uh, public, you know, all the usual named rubbish. So to the point where there is actually no one running against you. Yeah, it creates fear. People don't want to run because obviously they don't want to get put in jail um, and um, or they get killed off or assassinated or something happens to a family member or whatever it, whatever it is. They, they do it to control people and then, yeah, you end up with just a one-party system um, and this dictatorship that happens in the country. Um, here in Cambodia as well, like they've got campaigns. Um, the instead of actually dealing with the actual issues of the country, um, the the ruling class are sitting here trying to govern what females wear can wear. Yeah. <laughs> so they want to put a law in um, to uh, basically similar to what Uganda have with the with mini with the miniskirt um, law that they have something similar where they where it kind of keeps um, women more conservative and more covered up. And they're trying to do the same thing here. It's, it's just stupid. Instead of actually 
um, dealing with actual issues in the country. Yeah. They're focusing on minor things like that, mm -hmm. thinking that that's the reason why like sexual violence is happening yeah. when it, we know it's not the reason why that's happening. We oh know it's God. because of the colonialism. It's because men rape. It's because men rape. It is because it is not because women have miniskirts. Like this is, this is, it's, it's yeah. literally the, it, it's the narrative that you can see is set by men that rape. Like, yeah. Of course, and, they're going uh, to blame it on everybody else. Sorry, continue. Yeah. And obviously here, the funny thing as well is, again, it's the same stuff everywhere. These old mandem who were part of the Khmer Rouge people back in the day, now are old, they wear their khaki stuff, two little stars on their shoulders, and they're the ones running the country. They've got no connection to the everyday Cambodian on the street, selling stuff, you know, buying stuff. All these people here. But then here, the rich are filthy rich. Like, mandem pop like eight, nine hundred dollar bottles. They spend like three, four hundred thousand dollars on like their kids' weddings. Uh, you can pay here for something called uh, Oknia, which is like a title, like a sir. You pay like 300K and then every year you've got to pay like 50K or some dumb shit like that to up and keep it. They name a street after you, but then that also obviously opens like doors for you. So you can make businesses, do, you know, whatever dealings you want to do. But anyway, the, the main, the reason why it connects to the way African countries are like is again, these old people, same, thing, isn't it? same, same it's the same play, the same tactics, bruv. It's literally word for word. These old mandem in power, literally, Number one, get in power. Two, stay in power for more than five years. Like, how can a ruling party or, my, or some guy be in power for 40 years? I don't understand that. Same with Uganda as well. Uganda has the lowest um, average, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, age, sorry. The, the, so the average age in Uganda is actually the youngest, sorry, in, in the African continent. That's what, 15 slash 16 years old. So they're the youngest nation. If there's about five or six mandem chatting on the street, that's deemed like a protest in a way you can't get you can't gather people can't gather and talk because man like Museveni who's 70 now is trying to run again but but he's too old he needs to leave like he's been there for like 30 something years and this is the problem that we're having at the moment in a lot of countries the youth and he even said oh I'm gonna cut the internet off because you guys are organizing protests against me and stuff there is no connection whatsoever between <laughs> <I'm dead>. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what it is because that's that and that's deep rooted into colonialism because colonialism kind of it breeds that it breeds this ruling class that that people who are in power, um, i.e. the white man them back in the day were the ones who 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 could do whatever they want and do anything that they want. And it's been taught yeah. now to the people who are in charge. Well, they've seen it, haven't they? Exactly. Well? They saw all the benefits that these, pe these people who were in charge, i.e. white people who yeah. were in charge were getting. Mm. And now they want the same, they want the same treatment. Yeah. Um, so they go back in the day, they probably had good intentions. A lot of them did wanted to kind of, you know, get the country back in, in Africans people's hands. And, um, they taste as caviar. And then they like were like, well, damn, this champagne kind of tastes nice, you know. So yeah. I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> Mandem tasted caviar. No, you get me, fam. Mandem tasted, they tasted the, the finer things in life. They fully did. Man, oh man, my days. Man opened the fridge, fam. You get me? And there was like Fiji water, Voss water, and that. Yeah. So man's living it, fam. He's like, yeah, well, bro, it's really real. But also the one thing that I think like we as African youth support and understand is that. We all have like parents who like are very old 
uh, in terms of like the way they think, right? You, you know, when your parents, African parents just tell you off, but then when you ask them, mom and dad, what I've actually done wrong, they're like, no. And like, they won't give you an actual reasoning. And then there's that whole thing of also blindly respecting someone. And right. that's the thing that I hate as well. It happens, you know, it's, bro, it's annoying. Like the thing is, listen, like if you're in power in my country, I will have every right to basically chat shit about you if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing for the people. You are elected by the people. You are therefore for the people. You're not there on holiday at the end of the day. You're not like bloody, what's his name? Uh, what do you call um, that guy, bro? Thanos or whatever his name is. You're not clicking Mandem with a little ring in there. Yeah? <laughs> so I don't understand. These Mandem think they're Thanos, bro. They want to stay there for years and years, do as they please. They think they're demigods. And if the youth are saying, listen, Baba, you're very old. You don't understand the youth. There's no jobs. You want to drive your Lamborghini in ditches and potholes makes no sense. You got to still pay some mad. You know what I'm saying? It actually doesn't make any sense. And that's the problem. A lot of the older men in power want the younger people to respect them at all costs, even if they're not doing their job properly, which is wrong. Yeah, exactly. It's all that whole, you have to respect me just because A, I'm your elder and also B, I'm a higher class than you are. So you need to respect me, which is... It's 2020 because... It's that whole flipping... Um, colonialism thing it keeps coming back to that because that's where it's rooted because that's what the white mandem were telling people they'd come mm. over you if you don't respect me then well i'm gonna shoot you in the street that's basically what happened so and it's the same thing that's happening now it's happening um, everywhere even look at thailand now thailand as well i know it's in asia but they're also having a a thing against the monarchy as well mm -hmm. like protesting of the streets day and night the young people have had enough across the world these old mandem these boomers need to die bro they're chatting shit they don't want young people to do anything. All they say is like, oh, you young people are lazy. No, you fucked up the earth. You increase fucking housing uh, prices from 10K, 15K for a four bedroom to four, 500,000. Who can afford that? No uh -huh. one. You then tell us to pay for uni, which you had for free. You know what I'm saying? It makes no sense. They've had their playtime and now and they, they basically want to use like minions, basically. Yeah. And the unis are a racket. Um, let me... There's so much. I, I've tried to. I've I've tried to. I've tried to. Con yeah. Okay. Imper imperialist ideology is ultimately what we have said, and what we keep coming back to is that it doesn't matter if you have a black figurehead if they're going to act like the white man from back then because they are doing the exact same thing as like there's really no difference if people are dying in the street because they are black then there is no difference for in their outcomes so it doesn't matter who who the president is like clearly the ideology is the same um so one of the things i want to say was that this imperialist ideology and how amenable it is with fascism. And I, I define fascism as, uh, or at least fascists, as violent racist militants supported by big business and their single party dictators. So there's a lot in that, in that um, definition. Um, we've seen the violence and we've seen the militants because it is literally the military and militarized police who are enacting the violence against the people. Uh, the racism is kind of um, ingrained within this entire system because uh, this this is actually kind of a this was or at least when we whenever we talk about fascism, what the the typical example that's that's brought forward is nazis um nazi germany and how they were the most fascist and blah 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 yeah. but we can see that the brit the british empire has um 
if you if you look at this uh, particular definition, the the British Empire has displayed all the uh, facets of fascism, and it still does. So that's one of the that's one of the reasons why you don't just look at it on the tin. I still ha- I really still have to talk to people um, when we're talking about socialism versus capitalism, but they say, "Oh, Nazi Germany was was uh, socialist." I was like, "They said they were socialist. They were fascist." My dog. Do you like? Yeah. It's just ridiculous it's, trying to talk to people who who um who who kind of really. Would you say currently with the um, linking fascism to Africa, would you say the instead of maybe racism? Well, there's still remnants of racism that has been done to them. It's a psychological, but you can maybe also mm. say um, classist as well. In terms of classes, yeah. would be quite. Quite so ra- race and class are, are always a pair uh, together and they're, uh, yeah. they're played against each other. Uh, they're played to, yeah. against each other very masterfully, especially by the British. And on that point, one of the things I was going to, it kind of gets into economics a, a little bit more. But if you know about dependency theory, which is the idea that um, you can roughly split all the nations on the earth into four categories. There are the very richest, which are um, basically the G7 yeah. countries, the ones that that just happened to have been the colonizers um uk us um a lot of the european countries france belgium spain portugal um there are the countries that are kind of in the middle um japan uh canada there are and then there's like the grade down then where you look at when you look at the the only difference between some countries, South Africa fits into this one, which is uh, uh, South Africa and a lot of Asia, like China, would fit into the next grade down. And then the very lowest is the majority of the African countries, um, a lot of the Asian countries, actually, uh, and a lot, uh, you know, a bunch, couple of the South American ones, which would which would then be there. But it's the idea that every from the bottom up. All you, all the the biggest countries are just extracting wealth, and then obviously the countries at the bottom are giving out every bit of their wealth. And what that means is the only way that the people of these countries can even stand to maintain this is by, uh, it, or the only way the system can be maintained is through violence and militancy militancy because the people of the poorer countries are obviously not going to stand for this if they can see what is happening. And I believe that's honestly what we're what we're seeing at the moment is a global kind of awakening as to number one, um, not it doesn't have to be a, a an innate and integral understanding of the dependency theory, but just the idea that the uh, you know the top one percent, top ten percent in every one of these popular in every one of these countries, they talk to each other, they have the they have their interests and their interests are always served. So. In South Africa, for instance, you know somebody somebody owns the land that the mines are on. As long as the the wealth is being extracted, they're happy. If something gets in their way, then they're not happy. And obviously, on the on the side of where the the wealth is actually extracted to and where it's exported to, sorry, like they're happy as long as they're getting their gold, diamonds, platinum, coltan, whatever. And uh, it's the idea that. You know the the top tier, uh, the top elite, the elite in the politics and um, the the magnates, the people who who um, who own the majority of this. They they all um, what's the word? Collaborate? Maybe it might be. Yeah, it they're might in, be. they're in cahoots together, aren't they? Yeah, really? yeah. That's that's just the idea that as long as they they cooperate with each other and serve their own interests and. Um, 
it's it's whatever to the 90 percent of the population who actually need these resources and um you know i i just find it a damn shame that people can really drive around like the continent of africa see see the, see everything with their own two eyes and still be very comfortable having two bentleys in the car park or in their in their private garage while they're driving their mercedes like on the road like it's it's did i just say mercedes as well sorry <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> sorry that made me laugh <laughs> this is a new mercedes, mercedes. mercedes. Yeah. Oh, you know what i'm saying like yeah so uh and yeah once again every everything that we've just mentioned all comes back to the imperialist ideology because it doesn't matter whether it is it is the white man from back in the day or whether they've put a black person in charge and they said you can only do this as long as we continue as long as the system stays the same basically and yeah. that's i mean you could look back to patrice lumumba and also and yeah. thomas sankara and uh you know it goes on at infinitum you don't even have to be a, a a well-known revolutionary like they they were they were shooting yeah. people in south africa in school uniforms so um, oh yeah it's it's crazy you yeah. could say that the um the 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 Oyibos, when they actually left um they left they basically like you have you guys seen animal farm yes no okay so, so ask me okay animal farm yeah, yeah. so basically George Orwell, the classics pig, yes so the pigs raised um the dogs so the dogs were the kgb basically in a nutshell yeah. so i feel like the dogs have been now trained by the british aka the ruling party and they are now put in place to guard the wealth basically yeah. and the, the master who controls them who makes them salivate and rings the bell and they run to him is the west you know that's that's exactly what's happening and they're saying listen if anyone comes near anything that we own you have every right to bite them do whatever you need to do kill them even and then no don't worry like the rest of the world won't really know because no one cares about black bodies exactly there's no respect for black bodies and i think as well like creating all this chaos um distracts people from them then going behind our backs and just like extracting all this stuff so that they can live their Christy life. That's also what's happening so that they can yeah. carry on with everything. Um, so I think it's, it's true. Like, I think the wealthy should fall. Um, me and Charlie follow this essay girl called Bobo. Uh, she's actually quite good as well, to be fair. You should follow her. They have Which a podcast platform? as well called Bobo and Flex. <laughs> uh, she's on um, Instagram, actually. Yes. Um, she's with also this... Uh, Ghanaian girl who's from the from Australia and they do a podcast together but they they bring up some really good topics and she's always like listen capitalism is trash that we need to eat the rich straight up like and you know what it's true guess what happened in in, in the Russian revolution all yeah. the czars basically got malamed fam like you know yeah, like they got murked they got murked they were living in their nice palaces and while Mandem and the gulags eating potato and dishwater fam it's peak it's, it's true no it's absolutely like, the thing is it's anyways, so true uh... it's so true the ostentatiousness of the wealth that is accrued like we actually like oh actually you've been you you lived you spent your time in the uk i'm still here and people really still it seems to escape them the amount of wealth that is around them and that is not owned by them um one of the things i was looking at today was um so we're, we're making a we're making a film about one of these characters, a historic character actually important to uh, to Wales. Uh, well, there are two of them, Picton and Penryn. I'll stick with Penryn for now. Um, owned six uh, plantations in Jamaica and basically uh, flipped with the money that was made out there. It was all flipped. Richard Pennant, the first Baron of Penryn, who owned six plantations in Jamaica. 
six sugar plantations in Jamaica. And with the proceeds that that he got from there, he then uh, built up a lot of the wealth slate industry. And people don't seem to understand that in it's just like it's it's a very businessy kind of like you have to understand some concepts of business in order to get it. But it's quite simple, really. All the money that he got from there, the 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 trade was abolished. So he flipped it, put it into the quarries. So all the startup money, the money that he used to pay the miners, the money that he used to pay um, to pay to get equipment, that kind of stuff was all all came from that. And one of the other things that he's credited with is actually uh, creating a unified, uh, he did a lot to industrialize the trade basically. So he built roads and ports as well. And people don't don't seem to understand like that's wealth because when you go to Africa, the only roads that are built are to extract wealth. So the highways are from the mine to the seaport, basically like that, that's, that's the idea. Like they, they didn't make, they, the, the roads that are supposed to service the people are incidental. Um, you know, there are roads that are built basically to get the miners to um, from home to the mines and back. But that's that's more or less it. Um, yeah, but just just the idea that people don't really under don't seem to understand how to like where all this wealth is built and where it's derived from. Um, just it's still escape. It, it still like boggles the mind. I think I went on a tangent. Uh, let, let's keep it moving. <laughs> so bringing it back to to the main thing anyway. Um, so, so far, obviously, we spoke about the NSARS. Uh, we're speaking about as to the, the lack of um, coverage. Um, again, to technology, Charlie figured, obviously, what, what did you find out every time you were tagging a different country that wasn't in the Western Hemisphere? Oh, yeah, as well. So Instagram loves to shadow ban people. Um, So if you mention anything, if you hashtag anything with Black Lives Matter or anything to do with Black Lives in general. So Hesley and I have a like a couples page um, and on there, whenever we put um, like hashtag black couples or anything like that, anything with the word black in it, basically, um, you end up with less engagement on your um, on that picture that you're posting. And I've noticed that it happens with a lot of um, different hashtags that have the word black in it um, or black lives, black people. Um, Also, if you tag, if you geotag your pictures with an African location or a location that's outside of the West, because it happens as well with us when we tag Cambodia in our pictures, again, that picture seems to get less engagement. Um, And the same thing has been happening with a lot of people that I follow on Instagram and they've been saying the same type of thing um, that's been happening to them as well. And um, a girl that I follow like did a, an experiment where she posted basically the same type of picture as a selfie. And one she tagged, cause she was in Rwanda at the time, one she tagged um, with Rwanda and that got really low engagement. And then she tagged another picture the next day with New York And then that picture got loads of engagement compared to the the one where she tagged Rwanda. So even platforms like Instagram, I'm sure it's happening on Twitter and anything, basically, um, whenever you tag Black Lives um, or tag an African location or even an Asian location, um, the engagement on anything, like you just get shadow banned, basically. Um, So a lot of like political... um, political uh social media feeds 
have been like shadow banned. And that's probably one of the reasons why you're not tending to see them on your Instagram feed now, because the whole stupid algorithm and all that is messing yeah. it all up. So um, we even have the likes of, of social media just um, censoring us as well. Yeah. So even if we're trying to, you know, post about NSARS or anything to do with Africa, we're getting shadow banned and it's not going to the masses and people are not seeing some of that stuff. So it's really important whenever you do see something to, you know, and it's something that resonates with you, reshare it, repost it. Flood the thing. Yeah, just yeah. keep, um, so to kind of override the algorithm so that, you know, mm. more and more people can see it and more and more people can obviously do that's, the same thing that's, that's what the the korean man them the korean pop band called bts they're quite big they did that for the black lives matter thing they basically used the hashtag what was it like blue lives matter and their fans like they got millions of fans around the world they flooded blue lives matter with black lives black like, so they basically and that's how you're meant to do it but and the, yeah so they literally murked the right wing man then but for mm. me the main thing that, that that's very um evident in this is that we need our own platforms in africa we have what like need over a billion people population and we need to create we need, black, yeah. we need a black one because think about china china don't, china don't use facebook you have to get a vpn to use facebook yeah. so even if you go visit there you have to go with a vpn otherwise you know i understand their situation is a bit too much like they're very snoopy on their own people but i'm just saying we need like an an african um program platform where we we is for us it's owned by someone who's african but then i just hope they don't end up selling it to bloody facebook and zuckerberg and all these idiots oh, and they yeah, it's just dominating everything yeah um but, but i know that in terms of because people have been saying that about pinterest um because whenever you go on pinterest you always have to if you want to look for like braids for example you have to put braids on a black person or african-american braids or something like that. You have Which white people have braids? Like they 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 show you white chicks with pigtails and all that type of oh. stuff and French braids. <laughs> so whenever you search him for something that's specifically like for black people as well, you have to specifically say on a black person or for black people or whatever. And it was really frustrating because you go in on there, you want to search for like, oh cute, I want to have a cute braids hairstyle or whatever. You go on there and you have to type in braids on a black person, <laughs> braids for black people. Um, so a lot of a lot of females in particular have been um, complaining about that. So there is actually now a um, black an Instagram uh, not Instagram a Pinterest for black people. It's called melanin mel- melanin interest melanin interest. I think I'm saying that right. Um, and it's basically, you don't have to say for black people because it's, it's for black people already. So that's great that they're starting that. Um, yeah. So hopefully it gets as big as Pinterest. Agreed. I think, um, what you've just highlighted is just another point of media censoring. And it also shows the root, one of the roots of media censoring is the absence of black people in the technology space. There, the, there is an absence of black people when it comes to the coding and the, um, the ground level of these apps, basically. And what, what you do every time you build upon these technologies is you compound that. So all these technologies are impinging upon technologies which are, are, have already excluded black people, and they continue to do that even more. Um, and yeah, just the point of media censoring itself, like 
so I'll take it back to the fascist Nazi Germany again. People, everybody wants to remember Hitler. They forget that Goebbels, the second in command, was also the head of propaganda, which shows the, they know how important media coverage is. They wouldn't have got away with all the nonsense that they were doing, all the grease that they were doing if they didn't have a control of the media. And that's why I, I believe that this motif has been taken elsewhere. Um, and it's so important. It's a very, it's of very central importance that whichever government is going to be conducting itself in a way where they're going to be killing their own citizens, they will always control their media so that it's not reported to uh, to the outside world. Um, was there somewhere else we were going to take it? Oh, um, no, sorry. No, I think Sorry, uh, just there was just one more point. Um, <laughs> the complete absence of all lives matter. Just wanted to make that very apparent. Like, where are they now? They ain't got nothing to say. As usual, African lives are being ended, and you know they got nothing to say because when it was in America, they wanna they wanna pipe up one when George Floyd was killed. They wanna pipe up when Jacob Blake's killed, as if it's not a black thing. But there are people dying now, and where are they? Like complete absence. Um, the the last thing uh was you, you mentioned thailand earlier sorry my this thing is telling me my internet is a little bit unstable again so uh we mentioned thailand earlier and it was just the idea that the there's an awakening basic there's an awakening and a rejection of a lot of these um these elitists i think like all over the world because we can talk about belarus um you know people tend to attribute this kind of corruption to africa as well Russia, um, Putin took out one of his opponents, his his most vocal opponent, like not even a month ago. I forgot what my man's name is. So, uh, I, and I say that to say this, just the point that the tactics that are being used have been employed time and time again. This is this is not a new tactic, and clearly the only way to get around it is by groundswell of the people actually coming up and being like, "This is unacceptable," and booting their man out of power. Like, because they're not going to step down. It's clear that, you know, we can look at Belarus. It's clear that even an election doesn't matter. We just talked about uh, Guinea. Like, elections don't matter when we're talking about this level of uh, of ingrained imperialistic ideology. So, um, yeah, that's me. I was going to say as well, in terms of, like, the social media thing, like, um, as you mentioned, it's it's all run and it was started by, like, these white mandem. Um, obviously, we know like Silicon Valley and um, all of that. Social media was invented by Americans. They did start it, um, kind of help with the social media aspect because Americans are obviously like number one with social media. They're the ones who started it. Um, and obviously, as a result, social media is all geared towards Americans in particular and white Americans um, because they're the ones who kind of uh, brought it to the forefront they're the ones who kind of in, invented it let's face it they will they might have been the faces but they might not have been the ones who actually did the coding behind the scenes because um when we look at people who are in the tech industry it tends to be asians let's face it um yeah like i think it's, it's mainly like they were saying like it's mainly um geared towards white people white men obviously who were on there as well um kind of have a lot of say and a lot of people of color especially women are sort of pushed out from from the tech push to the brim and your government's not really helping you you come out with with ways of you know helping yourself like in a lot of places now in africa they they some people actually use biogas which is made from uh, cow manure and stuff um so i'm into kind of like you know 
agribusiness agribusiness at the moment so i'm kind of trying to research so when we get a plot of land i want to do the thing in it so um so yeah so biogas made from cow manure and stuff kept in dark tank then the bacteria plays and all that stuff gets transferred and actually made into gas which which can be used so i think you know there's different ways but it's crazy how these governments have literally like in a way because of their negligence it's also created so many entrepreneurs um to come out and create so many amazing stuff yeah uh so i think it's like you know we as a continent have everything we need it's just that uh we need to get the right money for our primary resource you know a lot of people and also we need to also um then go on to secondary sort of resources i mean or was primary secondary than tertiary tertiary is all your high buildings paper moving shit secondary is your processing usually and all that kind of stuff isn't it so we need to also own this stuff because like for example i was saying like countries uh let's say nigeria for example they they love the jollof rice and they have tomatoes in the market that are basically going out of date um and but at the same time they're importing 500 million dollars worth of tomato paste when all you need to do is get those tomatoes cook them dry them out and it turns into tomato paste that's all it is but instead so the problem that we have is we have things we just need processing capabilities to actually then sell those stuff on as well in order to make money but obviously we know that people um like the west are preventing that from happening as well because they don't want africa to be self-sufficient yeah so we're having that and we know that that's what's happening so um, I don't want to go too deep into it because a we're running out of time and also it's something we're going to talk about. Yeah, on the next episode. So yeah, cool. So uh, that's that for that uh, for that episode. Um, yeah. Did you have anything else to say? No, no. I think we're good. We we covered a lot. Yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah. So thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. Make sure to follow us on We Will Win Baba. Um, you know, and also if you want us to talk about a particular topic, uh, feel free to reach out. Yeah, follow us on our Instagram at We Will Win Baba and um, our Facebook page as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, Facebook is popping. Sorry, the YouTube is not going to be up again. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, people. We'll get we'll get it to we'll get it out to you eventually. However, like uh, yeah, the the Facebook and IG are popping right now. We will win Baba, and uh, yeah, listen to the podcast on your favorite streaming platform. Win. We will win.